Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Today's an exciting day, and here's why. I would like Jeff Morris to come on up, and I'd like Todd Phelps to come on up. And if your wife, your wife is here, Shannon, come on up. Your wife is going to be at the next one. Perfect. Come on up here, guys. Um, these are two incredible church planters um, that are going to be planting a church. Uh, Jeff is going to be planting a church in Oceanside uh, in January. January what in 12th? January 12th, and uh, so that's coming up right around the corner, and Todd and his wife Shannon are going to be launching a church at the end of this month, so like in four weeks on uh, September 29th, and they're going to be launching out of Torrey Pines High School. And, uh, and, you know, here's the deal. Uh, here, at, here at Canvas Church, we're a part of ARC, Association of Related Churches. That is a church planting organization that my wife and I are, have been a part of now for 10 years. Uh, we were church plant number 77 with ARC uh, way back in the day. ARC has now planted over 850 churches in the last 10 years. Isn't that awesome? Here's the coolest part is that every single one of those church plants, since Church Plant 77, which was us, we've been a part of. We've been a part of financially giving to those church plants, and so think about that church. We've helped plant nearly 800 churches since we started. Isn't that awesome? Because every month, every month a portion of our finances is going to help plant these churches. Not only that, we pray for them, and we get behind them. Uh, my wife and I also are coaches with ARC, meaning that we get to coach church planners. We come alongside and we just give wisdom and advice. Uh, here's me and my wife's role. We are the role model of the church of what not to do. Come on, somebody. And if you know our story, that makes sense to you. And so they brought us in and said, hey, let's bring them in. So they, hey, whatever they did, don't do that. Um, and so um, I've had the honor of actually knowing Jeff for 10 years. And uh, he's been to our church many times, actually preached at our church. And, uh, and so way back in the day, and so today, so in the second service, Jeff's going to be preaching, and so if you want to double dip, totally different message, it's going to be awesome. Matter of fact, if you got the paper, hey, does anybody need the paper notes? If you need the paper notes, just raise your hand in the air right now, if you didn't grab them. Okay, we do have a few. Um, so you have first service on one side, it says 9 a.m., second service on the other side, it says 11 a.m., okay? So if you want to stick around and hit both, man, I would highly guarantee, let's be honest, it's hot out there. All you're going to do is go home and sit in your air-conditioned house. You might as well stay here and sit in this air-conditioned building, all right? And um, then just turn yours off and save the money. Um, and now uh, Todd and Shannon have had the, uh, the, the joy of being their coach, actually. And so um, being alongside them in this journey, getting ready to help them launch on the 29th. And that's just been an awesome privilege, knowing you for what, close to a year now. Yeah. And so, but being their coach. And so we're just so excited. And so um, I wanted to bring them both up on stage now because on your way out, uh, there are two tables set up. Uh, one is for Reve Church. Um, which is the one that's launching this September. One is for Rhythm Church launching in January. And so I want you to go by there and I want you to grab material and here's the reason why. Because uh, maybe you live closer to that area and God is calling you to help plant a church. And so if you live in the Oceanside area and you feel a tug on your heart saying, man, I'd like to help plant that church, man, you need to go talk to Jeff and their team and, and pick up some information. Or maybe you're coming from the Carmel Valley, Torrey Pines, La Jolla area, and you're like, you know what, man, I love Canvas, but it's a bit of a drive. I'd love to go check out their church. Man, make sure you go by and grab some stuff from their table. Check it out. You might be saying, you know what, Pastor, I love this church and I'm never going anywhere. Well, I love you too, Okay. But maybe you know somebody that lives in those areas that needs a church. 
all right? And so I would encourage you, man, go by, hang out with them, say hi to them, shake their hand, and get some information so that you can pass that along. And so I just love highlighting what they're doing. And so here's what's gonna happen. At the end of the service today, uh, both services, we're gonna take up an offering, and a huge portion of everything that comes in today is gonna go help plant these two churches, all right? And so if you've been holding on and you haven't stepped into giving yet, today's the day, all right? Because not only is it gonna go to bless this house, it's gonna go bless this one and this one, all right? Um, if you came ready to give your tithes today, I would ask you maybe give above and beyond your tithes at the end of the service because you're going to help bless these guys as they plant their churches. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's give it up for them. Todd, you can stay up here. You're going to be preaching. And so at the end of the service, we're going to pray for them as well. But hey, come on, let's give it up for Todd. He's about to preach, somebody. Oh, man. Such a privilege uh, to be with you guys today. Can I just tell you that we love your pastors? We love your pastors. Uh, Pastor Ben, Katie, um, we are just, uh, it's such an honor for them to be our coach and uh, such an honor to serve in a city uh, with them pastoring uh, here and their commitment, their faithfulness to what God's called them to do. Um, is extraordinary. You know, we worship God, but we honor uh, people. Can we just celebrate Pastor Ben and Katie? It's amazing. And all that God is doing here at Canvas Church. Oh man, my wife and, and our kids and our family moved here to San Diego just over a year ago to get started on planting a life-giving church here in San Diego. We're so excited to start Reve Church in Torrey Pines High School on Sunday, September 29th, all right? We're just, we're just pumped, all right? And, uh, and we're just celebrating all that God's doing in this city, in the greater uh, Southern California area. We just believe that God is up to something. How many of you believe that God is up to something? In Southern California, we're praying for revival. We're praying for God to move in a mighty, mighty way. It's such a privilege uh, to be with you today. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about we are the church. We are the church. And I want to just begin by sharing a little of my story. I was adopted as a baby. And my adoptive parents were just, uh, they are just amazing human beings. Uh, they just biologically couldn't have kids of their own. And so every doctor told them the same thing. Just wasn't going to happen, not in the cards. And so we, they went down this path of adoption, and they got me. <laughs> and uh, it was a closed adoption in the state of North Carolina. And so what that means is that they, they didn't have any information about my biological family. Didn't have a name, uh, didn't have any type of information, couldn't look them up online. And so I had this really unique experience of growing up my whole life never knowing my biological family. And so when I started having kids of my own, I should say when my, my wife started having my babies, you know, uh, <laughs> she did most of the work. And, uh, and I began to wrestle with this question, really it was a prayer. God, do you want me to reach out? Do you want me to find, do you want me to locate my, reconnect with my biological family? Like, like is that something that you want me to do? And I finally decided that, that I wanted to do it, so I hired an agency to find my mom in my 30s. And so not only did this agency find my mom, not only, not only did they locate her, they actually reunited us. And I remember the, the first day I met my mom, like, like it was yesterday. 
All right, so I pull up to the agency. I walk into the foyer. There in the foyer is my counselor. Her name was Lee. Now, as an adoptee, reuniting with your biological family, you're assigned a counselor. Actually, I don't know if everyone gets a counselor or if it's just the emotionally unstable. But I got a counselor, and so Lee was there, and, and, and she's, she's meeting me in the foyer, and she walks me down this hallway, and we get to a door. And, and she pauses, and she looks at me, and she says, Todd, your mom's on the other side of this door. Are you ready to meet her? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And, and so she opens the door, and there she is. Her name's Donna. And so we, 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 we embrace and, and we meet for the first time there. I think we have a picture of, of us. Uh, this is the first time we met right there. Uh, just an extraordinary woman. And, and so we begin this conversation. We sit down on this couch and, and, uh, and I lean over and I, and I said, Donna, um, I've been waiting my whole life just to say thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for giving me life. And then she, she says to me, she says, Todd, uh, you didn't know this because we just met, <laughs> but uh, you were the only child that I was able to have. And she told me that she was 16 years old when she got pregnant. She went on to say that my biological father was a pharmacist who was actually an entrepreneur. Okay, he was a drug dealer, all right, and, uh, <laughs> and but, but because of the chaos of that season of her life, I mean, could you imagine? The best thing that she could do for me was give me away in adoption. But, but think about this. The only child my mom was able to have, she gave away. And now God was giving him back to her. And so we meet on this day, and it's a beautiful moment. And about a year passes, we stay in touch. I'm texting her. I'm like, I can't believe I know you. I can't believe I have a relationship with you. This is crazy. And then uh, one day, uh, we're driving. She's in the passenger side, and I've got a friend in the back seat. And I'm telling my friend what I'm telling you today. I'm like, bro, I'm adopted. <laughs> this is my biological mom. We just met. It's crazy. It's awesome. And then he's like, bro, this is, this is a great story. And uh, I'm like, yeah, it is. And, and then he says this statement to Donna. He says, isn't it amazing to find out that someone was looking for you? Like in a good way, <laughs> not in a stalker way, you know. But isn't it amazing to find out that someone was looking for you? That someone was trying to find you? That someone was trying to locate you and, and reconnect with you? Isn't that awesome? And when he said it, it just kind of stuck with me, right? Because this is the essence of the gospel. Because of our sin and because of our selfishness, because we've all gone our own way, we've been separated from a holy God. And it would have been so easy for God just to say, you, you know, you're dead to me, humanity. <laughs> you just do your own thing. But he didn't do that. He took extreme measures. He did the one thing, the only thing that could be done. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, 
to die a murderer's death and be raised from the grave on the third day, all for love, so that we could be reunited with our Heavenly Father. This is amazing. And, and let me ask you, have you ever done something insane because of love? Right? Like, like, you're not a poet, right? <laughs> you're in love. You, you don't spend that kind of money, but you were in love. You see, love makes us do crazy things. Love makes us do irrational things. You see, love is powerful. But the love of God is unstoppable. There's nothing that's going to stop God's love for you. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that has been done to you that can stop God's love from pursuing you wherever you are today. This is the essence of the gospel. I want to read a verse to you. It's found on, in John chapter 1 and verse 14. This is going to be on the screen as well. It says this, the word became flesh. And, and made his dwelling among us. It's talking about Jesus. I, I love this message translation here. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's a great translation. This is talking about Jesus. The creator came to the creation. God came to earth wrapped in flesh and blood and dwelt among us. You see, this is the gospel message. You see, this isn't where the gospel ends. This is where the gospel begins. Because just as God sent his son into our world to, to save us, to bless us, now as his followers, he's sending us out to bless people in our lives. In fact, this is on the, the screen. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, okay? If, you're, if you take notes this morning, you're way more spiritual than people who are not, okay? Just saying. This is the point. This is the big takeaway. This is the big idea that I want you to remember, that I want you to write down today. We are the sent people to bless people where we live, work, and play. We are sent people to bless people where we live, work, and play. This is what it means to be the church, right? We, we don't go to church. We are the church. I don't attend a service. I am a service to the people around me. We are the sent people of God living out the mission of Jesus called to bless people where we live, work, and play. This is what it means to be the church. Now, I was like struggling with this this week, like going, okay, how do I visualize this? Like, how can we really conceptualize what it means to be the church, what it means to be the sent people of God living out the mission of Jesus, blessing people where we live work, and play. I came up with this idea, okay? So God doesn't want you to be a bucket. God wants you to be a hose. A hose from Lowe's. You see, God, God doesn't want us to be a bucket. God wants us to be a hose. Todd, what, what's a bucket? And some of you are like, Todd, this message has gone off the rails. I have no idea what's going to happen next. Listen, anything's possible today. I may not be asked back, but anything's possible. But God doesn't want you to be a bucket. Well, what's a bucket, man? A bucket's all about my life. It's about my peace. It's about my joy. It's about my purpose, my career, my family, my future, my hope. 
God, bless me, bless me, bless me, I'm a bucket. See, God doesn't want us to be a bucket. God wants us to be a hose, a hose from Lowe's. Have you ever gone to Lowe's and you, and you purchased a, a, a hose uh, that already had a water source in it? Have you ever done that? Like, no, it, it doesn't exist, right? We, when we go to Lowe's, we, we purchase a hose and we take it home and we connect it to a water source. That's, that's what we do, right? And then when we turn that water on, that water flows through the hose. And by design, by design, that hose becomes a conduit for that water to flow through it. If it doesn't do that, it's broken. You got to take it back. You got to save that receipt. Right? That, that water flows through the hose and, and, and that hose is a conduit. That, that water flows through it and, and affects all the areas around it. You see, of course God has blessed you. Of course you have his hope. You have his peace. You have his joy. You have purpose like you've never had before because of Jesus but it's not just for you, and it's not just for me. We're called to be a hose, a hose from Lowe's. And you see what we're called to do to live as the sent people of God, living out the mission of Jesus. We're called to allow that, that hose to, to, to uh, connect to God in our lives and, 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 and allow that joy and peace and purpose and hope to flow through us, to flow through our lives to affect all the people around us. You see, this is what it means to be the church. I don't go to church, I am the church. I don't attend a service, I am a service. Giving and blessing the people around me. So Todd, what, what, what does this mean in my life? Like how, practically, what, how can I apply this? Let me just give you a, a, a few things. All right, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is going to be on the screen as well. In order for us to bless the people around us, in order, in order for us to really be the church, to live as a, as a sent people of God, to truly live out the mission of Jesus, we have to listen for what is really happening in people's lives. This is so hard for me. <laughs> This is so hard for my ADD right? because I'm busy. I got things going on. I'm just like you. My schedule is full. But, but let me ask you this. Do you believe that God's placed people in your life? There's like two people that believe that. Okay, so, so do you believe that, that God has placed people in your life for a reason? Okay. You see, in order for us to live this out, we have to listen for what is really happening in people's lives. I love, I love Jesus. I love the Gospels. I love everything about uh, Jesus' life. And one of the things I absolutely am just crazy about is Jesus didn't just tell his disciples how to live. He didn't just tell them, hey, go do this. No, he, he told them and he showed them. And he shows them this in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. Now, at this very moment, this is what's going on. Context is everything, right? At this moment, there's a, there's a massive amount of people going in one direction. 
Thousands and thousands of people, there's commotion, there's chaos, there's, there's kids crying, there's animals, you know, there's all kinds of things happening. But, but all these people are moving in one direction. They're going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. That's what's happening. So, so this blind beggar hears all of these people passing by, and he's like, well, what's, what's going on? And they told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting. He's desperate, right? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And see, this is the deal, okay? If, if the people of Canvas would have been around this poor blind beggar, okay? The people of Canvas would have been just right, right around this guy in proximity. They hear this blind beggar calling out for Jesus. We would have had compassion on him. We would have gone, run to his aid. We would have helped him. But not these people, not these sinners. <laughs> what, do they, what do they say? They say, be quiet, dude. Like, shut up, bro. What do you do? Why are you so loud? Like, like, tone it down. The people in front yelled at him. These are like, these are just, you know, pagans here, all right? But he only, and see, this would have deterred most of us. But not this dude. This guy's desperate for Jesus. Look what he says. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? If you're taking notes, underline that phrase. Jesus asks this guy a question. This is so perplexing to me. Jesus, why are you asking a question? You're fully God, fully man. You're all-knowing. Why is he asking him a question? What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. W what is Jesus doing here? He's, he's getting close. He's getting personal. This is so crazy to me. Jesus was the most important person in human history. Jesus had a limited amount of time. How many of you think Jesus had a few things going on? But he, he listens. He stops. Look at, this, look at this passage. He stops. He pauses. He's like, time out. Bring this guy to me. And then he asks him, what do you want me to do for you, bro? What do you want me to do for you? He's getting close. He's getting personal. Isn't it crazy that with all the technological advances in medicine that we still use a stethoscope? It's crazy to me because the stethoscope was actually invented, created in the 1800s. We still use it today. I went to the doctor recently. My doctor used a stethoscope. Not this one, okay? I ordered this one. But there's actually debate in the medical community over whether we still need to use Stethoscopes. I mean, with all the technology, with all the advances, advancements, you know, isn't there an app for this? Do we still need to use it? And, and uh, Dr. Thomas Stillman was, was addressing some recent medical graduates at the University of Minnesota. And he, knowing this debate, he, he, gave this, um, he gave this speech. I want to read it to you. He said this, technology without careful explanation and patient understanding can be isolating, 
And we cannot let, let it create barriers between us and the personal connection we have with our patients. Maintaining the doctor-patient relationship requires adaptation to technology, not submission to it. Step back from your computers. Sit beside your patient. Talk to them. And most important, they must feel we're listening, that we're listening and absorbing their story. While there are many ways to make a connection, the stethoscope serves both a practical purpose and an emotional one. It helps to find a path towards diagnosis, but it also serves as an opening to a trusting, caring relationship. The stethoscope connects the doctor to the heart of the patient. How did Jesus uh, listen to what was really going on in, our, in people's lives? He walked around with a stethoscope. <laughs> he, he got close. He got personal. He asks this guy, what do you want me to do for you? He stops, he pauses, he times out. Hey man, come, come here, bring that guy to me. What's going on in your life? Jesus is listening to what's going on in people's lives. Which leads us to this next action step. If, if we really want to do this, if we wanna, really want to live like Jesus, really want to be the church, living out the mission of Jesus, we have to be interruptible. <laughs> I love this one because how many of us just absolutely love interruptions? How many married couples in here, you know, when is that, you know, that special, you know, that special time, you know? How, how many of you love interruptions? No. No, we don't like interruptions. We got things going on. We got, we got a full schedule. We got, we got family life. We got marriage life. We got kids. We got, we got all kinds of stuff happening. We, we don't want to be interruptible. It, it is a matter of fact, a lot of Jesus' ministry were interruptions. He was interruptible. He was interruptible. You see, but, but see, sometimes in my own life, can I just tell you this? Like, instead of wearing the stethoscope, man, I just, I do this. I do this. Instead of wearing the stethoscope, I, I you know, sometimes I, I walk through life and I wear these Beats by Dre. These noise-canceling beats by Dre. Have you ever seen someone walk into a public space with these on? <laughs> what does it say? <laughs> Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Do not interrupt. I'm in the zone. I got stuff going on. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing my thing, right? But see, God, just God wants us to take off the beats by Dre, right? He wants us to put on the stethoscope. And he wants us to live like Jesus. He wants us to be interruptible. He wants us to listen to what's going on in people's lives, get close, get personal. What are you, what's going on in your life, bro? This is how we live out the mission of Jesus. This is how we really be the church and not just go to church. Uh, here's the last point here, uh, not last set of points. Uh, if we're going to really live this out, uh, we have to eat with others to be with them. This is on the screen. We have to eat with others to be with them. It's crazy that, you know, if, if, if the majority of Jesus' miracles 
were interruption, a lot of Jesus' ministry were meals. I mean, again, Jesus is the most important human to ever live, the most important person in human history. He had a limited amount of time. And yet he always spent time with people. He always spent time hanging out with people, eating with people, drinking with people. He was, he was you know, he was like condemned for being a drunkard and a glutton and a friend of sinners. Jesus lived this out. My fa- one of my favorite passages is in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, Beginning in verse 9, this is what it says. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. So context is everything, right? Jesus calls Matthew who was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors in in this time were just, they were just hated people. They were marginalized people. No one, no one really liked tax collectors because they were employees of the Roman Empire. They were contracted by Rome. And they were Jewish people. So they were seen as traitors. Oftentimes, tax collectors took more than they deserved for personal gain. Now, we don't know if Matthew's dirty. We don't know if he was a crook. But certainly, certainly he worked in an occupation that, that was crooked. And certainly he, all of his friends And the people he associated with were crooked. And yet Jesus, it would have been so easy for Jesus just to walk past Matthew, right? (laughs) This dude is not qualified. He doesn't have the resume. This dude's a tax collector. How is Jesus really going to build his following with Matthew? Jesus, you need need to go to the temple and get like one of the popular rabbis. And that's how you need to build your team. But he doesn't. He chooses Matthew. He says, Matthew, I want you to follow me. You're my guy. You're my dude. And so Matthew followed him. And later, Matthew invited Jesus. I love the connection here. Maybe this is what Jesus was thinking. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. I love this. Along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. (laughs) How many of you like to be at that dinner? But when the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were the religious uh, elite, right? They had the degrees. They had the pedigree, right? They, they went to seminary. They knew the word of God. They knew who God was and what God should look like and what God should do and what God should say. And the Pharisees were, were there. And then when they saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, if you don't know, you know, that sarcasm exists in Jesus' ministry. Here's an example of it. Jesus says to them, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. They They would have already known the scripture. But Jesus is like, you know the scripture, but you don't know the meaning of the scripture. So you need to go learn. You need to go back to class. You need to go back to school. And you need to learn this. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, this is what I'm about. This is what my life is all about. This is what, why I'm here. This is my mission. It's all about grace. It's all about 
mercy. It's all about second chances and a thousand chances. How many of you are grateful for that? For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. So here we have Jesus eating with others to be with them. You notice that it doesn't say Jesus ate with others to convert them? He didn't really do that. In fact, Jesus allowed people to belong to him before they believed in him. And he just hung, out, hung around with them. He's like, hey, come, come, be my friend. Have a relationship with me. Hang out with me. And over time, they came into relationship and really knew who Jesus was. So here's the final one. If this is really going to work in our lives, if we're really going to live this out, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. This is where the, the rubber meets the road, right? You know, because if I don't know, and I'm speaking for myself here, um, if I don't know my neighbor's names, it's going to be really hard for me to reach them, right? You know, it's going to be really hard for me to pray for them. Like, if I, if I haven't really paused and, and heard what's going on, I mean, I know I'm paid to do my work. I've got things going on. I've got a to-do list. I've got a boss, you know, I've, I've got things, things happening, but if I don't really pause and hear what's going on in my coworkers' lives, it's going to be hard for me to pray for them. It's going to be hard for me to be in relationship with them. We have to be intentional. If, if we don't do those things, then, you know, if, like, if I don't invite that coworker to coffee, if I don't put it on the calendar, it's, it's going to be really hard for me to live this out. We have to be intentional. In the 1800s, the Methodist figured out there was a problem throughout the Midwest. And the problem was that they, their, people were moving to the Midwest, but there weren't enough churches in that area. There weren't enough ministers. There, uh, there wasn't enough pastors to, to care for the people in the Midwest. And so what the Methodists came up with this idea uh, and the idea what was really a solution to this problem, and it, it was the circuit-riding preachers. And so what they said is, we're going to create this, this, like, this um, position, right? And we're going to recruit these, these guys and girls to be circuit-riding preachers. And what we're going to do is we're going to break up the Midwest into all of these circuits. And what we're going to do is we're going to assign each couple or each individual a circuit. Like, Joe, you take this circuit. And, and Sue, you take this circuit. And, and Bob, you, you take that circuit. And they broke the Midwest up into all these different circuits. And, and, they, and they were like, this is how we're going to reach the Midwest. We're going to break it all down into these circuits. And we're going to evangelize the Midwest. We're going to see people come to faith throughout the Midwest. And people ask me all the time, they're like, Todd, how did you come to faith? And I always say, you know, I, I grew up in the faith. I grew up in the church. Okay, my, my family, we, we were good Christians. We, uh, we, we went to church, we went to Sunday school, and we ate at Chick-fil-A. I mean, we, we had it down, right? We checked all the boxes. And, uh, and so, but, but when I was 15 years old, I walked away from my faith. And when I was 19 years old, my parents were divorced at the time. And there was, uh, my mom at the time was inviting me to this new church that was starting in my town. 
Now, I got to just tell you right now, I didn't know you could start a new church. I'm like, how do you start a new church? What's that? What's that? Jeff, you know, you know what I'm talking like, about? You, like, you're like, how do you start a new church? What, what, what's, what's, what's all that about? But my mom kept on inviting me. She's like, hey, this new church just started in my town. You need to go. I kept on saying no. My mom kept on bugging me. She kept on asking me. She's like, you got to come to this church. I kept on saying no. Finally, out of desperation, my mom says, Todd, there are pretty girls at this church. You need to go. And as a 19-year-old male, I was a convert, man. I was all in. I was like, man, I need to go pray. I need some Jesus in my life. Come on. And so I went, and I remember the first time I went to, to Seacoast Church, this new little church that had started in my town. Man, God got a hold of my heart. And, and within about three months, God radically transformed my life. I had this newfound relationship with Jesus. It was a new day. It was a new hope. And I also say that my great-grandfather was a circuit-riding preacher in the late 1800s. Him and his wife, they, they rode horse and buggy throughout the Midwest. They owned their circuit. They prayed for people. They listened to people. They ate with people. They ministered to people all throughout their circuit. They owned their circuit. I've, got, I've actually got a picture of my great-grandfather here, Ernest Albert Phelps. He's all, looking all handsome with that handlebar mustache, you know. You know what my great-grandfather, Ernest Albert Phelps, would preach to us today if he was still here? He, he would preach to us what he preached over 100 years ago. He would say that we're all circuit-riding preachers. You see, you've got your circuit, and you've got your circuit. Couple in the back there, you've got your circuit. Jeff, you've got your circuit. I've got my circuit. That's what my, my great-grandfather would say today. He preached this over 100 years ago. You're a circuit-riding preacher. Well, well Todd, how, how do you know that? Because you have influence that I will never have. You have relationships that I will never have. You have family members. You have coworkers. You have, you have friendships that I will never have. Here's the question. Are you going to own your circuit? Am I going to own my circuit? You see, this, friends, is the way that's going to work. This is plan A. There's no plan B. I pray, I, I wish that, that every person in San Diego and, and the greater Southern California area would actually attend a church. I wish they would, but they won't. Statistics show us that like half, half the people out there, they're never going to step foot in these doors. See, this is plan A. This is how we're going to fill heaven. This is how we're going to win. This is how we're going to change the world, change our cities, change our communities. By living out the mission of Jesus. By really being the church, 
going out and blessing people where we live, work, and play. Hey, let me pray for us as we close. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for Canvas Church. I love what you're doing. You're stirring in our souls. God, would you give us the courage as we leave this place? Would you give us the strength? Would you inspire us to live this out by the power of your Holy Spirit with everything that we have? God, you've placed people in our lives that you want us to bless, that you want us to listen to, that you want us to minister to. God, I I pray that you would help us do that. Help us to be the church, not just go to church. Help us to live out the mission that you've called us to. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on. Man, what a great start. Come on, a great start to the day, a great start to the week, and a great start to our series, Passion for the House. Man, it's fantastic. Man, I believe, man, that was just a great word for our church uh, this weekend, a great word for where we're headed as a church. Um, And so excited. You know that statistically the greatest way to reach uh, people for the kingdom of God is by a new church plant? And uh, I believe there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands, come on, that get saved. And yeah. so we're going to do this. We're going to pray. Jeff, come on up here. Shannon, come on up. Or you, unless you want to take pictures. <laughs> come on up. And uh, no, we're going to pray. And, um, and we're just going to believe that these churches, come on, what a great word. And this is what I want to do as we pray, church. Ushers, uh, you can go get the buckets ready. Here's what we're going to do. As I pray for them, I, I, want, I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, and um, obviously you brought your tithes and you're ready to give your tithes this morning. Um, but I, as I pray, I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And whatever he tells you to give above and beyond your tithes, come on, we're, we're giving to these two churches. And uh, we're going to see, come on, the, the people in our county reach for the kingdom of God. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. And so come on, let's pray. And then after I pray, just stay tight for a minute. Uh, Usher's going to pass buckets. And then we'll do a... a public dismissal and we'll pray for people but come on let's uh let's pray for these incredible churches that are being played what a great word i'm encouraged today hallelujah lord we thank you so much god for what you're doing god we thank you lord god that you are building your church in which the gates of hell cannot prevail against god we thank you lord god for these incredible people that are launching out in faith god that are launching out in faith lord god to plant a church that are launching out in obedience to plant a church. And God, we say this morning, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. God, let your kingdom grace, your kingdom power, your kingdom plan, your kingdom purpose, your kingdom salvation, God, your kingdom glory. God, come, Lord God, and use, Lord God, these couples and use these churches, Lord God, to reach those that are far from you and bring them into a relationship with you. God, I pray, Lord God, as they launch out, Lord, I pray for Todd and Shannon as they launch out, Lord, here in four weeks. God, I pray pray, Lord God, that you would do exceedingly and abundantly above all they could ask, think, or imagine. God, that you would go above. Lord, I know they have plans. God, I know they have dreams. I know they have visions of that first day. Lord, I know they have concerns. I know they have worries. I know they have fears for the first day. But Lord, I pray, Lord God, as they move closer and closer to that moment, that all those things would be pushed to the side. And God, that you would do exactly what you want to do on that day. Lord, I pray, Lord, over the next four weeks, you'd bring in remaining leaders that are needed. You'd bring in remaining finances that are needed. 
You'd bring in remaining resources that are needed. And God, you would just overwhelm them. God, with your goodness, Lord, as they poured out today, God, I pray you'd pour back into them, press down, shaking together, and running all over. Lord, I thank you for Jeff and his wife, Aaron. Lord, I pray, God, that you would do something incredible for Rhythm Church in Oceanside. Lord, I pray, Lord God, as they make their plans over the next several months, leading into the new year, Lord, I pray, Lord God, you would fill them with more vision, more hope, more grace, and more life than you've ever felt them with, filled them with. Lord, I'm asking right now, Lord God, for finances, 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 finances to pour in. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray. Lord, I know the leaders are coming, but God, I'm asking right now for finances to pour in from all different avenues and all different sources. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray, Lord God, you would, Lord God, help them finalize and finish the uh, leases on their facilities that they need. Lord, to launch this church in Oceanside. God, thank you. Lord, we just say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And Lord, I pray for Canvas Church. God, I thank you for this great church. God, I thank you that as we partner with other great churches in our community, Lord God, you're going to continue to pour in right here. And Lord, I pray we would take this word. Lord God, we would go, we'd be those circuit riding preachers, Lord, to our neighborhoods, Lord, to our family members. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.